I've had this guy stop me uh, in Wegmans before. I was uh, getting a frozen dinner before going to work. Oh, okay. And uh, I guess you probably do have uh, things there. Yeah, it was I was uh, just like walking there, and this dude stops and looks at my shoes. Is like those shoes are awesome, man. I'm just like thanks. And then he like wanted to get in like this whole conversation he just, about the shoes. Yeah, like where I got them and everything. It's like, well, what are you doing up here in Virginia? You've got them in North Carolina. I was like, oh no, I I live here. I was visiting in North Carolina when I got them. He's like, okay, so what do you do here? I was like, uh, I actually work at the Planet Fitness. He was like, oh, did you just get off? I was like, no, I'm about to start. He's like, oh, I should probably let you go then. And I just saw him again at Wegmans last night. He's just like, hey, it's the shoe guy. Oh my gosh. So I think he spends a lot of time at Wegmans. You know, it's like every time you wear those shoes, people compliment you, and you like got them from Marshalls, right? Or like I got them for from Ross for Ross. fourteen dollars. <laughs> people are just like, "Whoa, those shoes are awesome!" It's like, "Thanks." They have the Australian flag on them. <laughs> Funny thing is, my last pair of shoes have an interesting story too. Oh my god, the Iron Man. We're not talking about your shoes anymore. <laughs> Please, <laughs> intro music. You know they can hear that, right? <laughs> That's my boredom. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Fairpoint Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Fairley, and our producer, Bertrand Zeke. You really keep waiting for me to, to just, like, take it. I'm just like, no, I'm not taking it. We do this every time. I know we do. That's why you need to stop expecting it. I didn't expect anything. I, I said it just the way you wanted. I didn't have any qualms. I know, but you said and, and you're just like looking at me like, take it, take it, take no, it. And I'm just looking at you like, it. no, no, I no. Say, I didn't say anything. I said and. You don't. Yes, and. but you held out that and waiting for someone else remember to reach t- out and take it. Remember how you're like, I say words different. That's how I say and. Oh, so every <laughs> single time that you say a sentence, you say and? No, just that's how I say it in the intro. There is one word that I hear you say where I'm just kind of like, huh? Uh-huh. What is it? Especially. Especially. Yeah, but you don't say it like that. What do I say it like? You say like, especially, or something like that. I think you're lying. No. I've listened to it back on multiple episodes, and I'm just like, how is Daniel saying especially? Especially. Now I'm thinking about it. I'll, maybe I'll say it. Like, you say, like, espes, and then I don't know what the rest of it is, but you always say espes, and I'm just kind of like, <laughs> espes? What? Yeah, like asbestos or something. <laughs> I gotta ask also, do you say issue or issue? Who the hell says issue? Michael Scott of the Scranton branch <laughs> of Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> no, like, I actually, like, remember watching the first few episodes of The, o- uh-huh. the Office, hearing uh, Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott, say issue, and I'm just like, what? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever said isu. I've heard like a few people use it. I'm just like, what are you saying? Yeah, that's a weird one. Isu? Mm-hmm. Yeah, isu. Bertram, I've inter- introduced us twice. What, what are you doing? No, we can go from here. It's cool. Then go. What, what, do you, what do you mean go? We're in this. You haven't said the social media. What do you mean the social media? Was pro- was intro on social media? What's the podcast platform list off? Is that is that not the platform list off? Oh oh oh! oh follow us on yes. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Follow us on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. That's all. Oh, at the Fairpoint Podcast on Instagram and at the Fairpoint Pod on Twitter. And what's our email, Daniel? Stop messing with that cord. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, the Fairpoint Podcast at gmail.com. 
Okay, cool. And now onto my part. Oh, okay. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes or Apple, whichever one's considered, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, or our host site, which is called Castos. And yeah, introed. Boom. Was that it? Yes. Now we can get into our topics. I'm just, you know, asking. Okay. So you want me to do the first topic? Yeah, yeah. Okay. First topic. This is a bit of an update from something that we talked about last week. And the update is on Jesse Smollett. Uh, The Chicago Police Department says they intend to press charges if Jesse Smollett is found to have filed a false report. So since our last podcast, uh, Smollett has come under a lot of suspicion. uh, Jesse has since performed where he announced that he was okay and clarified a few misreportings by the media, which the media had said uh, he had cracked and broken ribs, but he clarified they were only bruised. And he also said that he did not go to the hospital, but he was driven by a friend to a doctor. Uh, Hmm. There are some people that threw their suspicions into the story, including Joe Budden, on his podcast and on his show State of the Culture. On his podcast, he he said that he believes that Jesse was in fact beat up, but the story itself is a fabrication based on the portrayal of evidence, plus his own experience, where he's said before that he's been beat up, and the first thing he did afterwards is he went to his friends, and they were all like, okay, what story can we make out of this? Just to try and uh, make something that would catch on and get more attention. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, in terms of uh, whether or not he said he'll believe the story, he said on his sh- revolt, sh- revolt show, State of the Culture, uh, show me video and I'll shut up. But until then, I'm not rocking. Uh, even the police claim, police's claim of filing charges of Jesse's story being fake uh, they said that they're going to be treating him as a victim until they get ev- evidence that would suggest otherwise. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, he's still a victim, but if they find otherwise, he might be serving some jail time for filing a false police report. Wow. I know it was going to be jail time. Um, but I did see, like, they, I guess they, the two people that he said beat him up, mm-hmm. I guess they found them, and they were people experiencing homelessness who said they had, like, never met him. Hmm. Yeah. It's been a lot of like I don't know stuff coming up. I hope I don't know if I hope I, I don't know what I hope. I hope that he's not lying. Yes, but if he's not lying, well, he still got beat up no matter whether he was lying or not. Mm. So yeah, so I hope that he's not lying. That's what I hope. Okay. Yeah, even though it's a terrible thing, like seeing mm-hmm. the attitude, but we know that attitude does exist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, but I don't know. I don't know why someone would lie about that. You know what I mean? Or like would, I don't know, have themselves like, like give themselves a noose or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why that would happen. It doesn't make any sense. Whenever people like my mom would like ask me, like when I, this is a totally, you know, large scale of like difference between uh, the seriousness of each of the two things about to give examples of. But whenever my mom, I'd like come downstairs and she'd be like, did you brush your teeth? And I'd be like, yes. And then she'd be like, you're lying to me. And I'd be like, well, why would I have any reason to lie? Like, it's just like, if I didn't brush my teeth. I would just go brush them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think about whenever, like, I think about someone lying. It's like, why would they lie about something? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what would Jess, what would Jesse have to gain by lying about this? Well, with this case, it would definitely be attention because if he was just beat up like by homeless guys people would be like that's terrible and then move on considering that there's the whole mega thing thrown onto it people are holding onto it for a lot longer hmm 
Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, the description I said, Joe thought that he, of what he thought happened was something like he went to a club that he frequents, mm-hmm. was messing with some guy who mm-hmm. had a boyfriend. The mm-hmm. boyfriend didn't like that, mm-hmm. got some of their friends, and they came and be- beat him up. Oh, is that like a second story? That's uh, Joe Budden. That's what he like believes is what more likely happened than the story that he actually gave. Gotcha. Okay. But I thought that he was like, when we read, didn't he, he post on Instagram that he was coming off a late flight? I don't know. That's what like was read, but I don't go on Instagram, so I can't go off Instagram stories <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I don't know. I guess we just wait to hear more stuff. Um, I yeah. hope that he's not lying, especially not in the Chicago police, as we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, because they will find some type of ramped up charges that they can charge someone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a black gay man, like they're going to find some charges. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully he's not lying for his own sake. Like he's had a concert since he's apparently back on the set of Empire now. And this attack I happened. Thought he died on Empire. No, he's still alive. Who died? Didn't someone get shot on Empire? A lot of people have been shot on Empire. Okay. I stopped watching like, I don't know, after, well, what was that song called? Uh, Drip Drop or? That's like not even halfway through season one. Yeah, but that was a good song. Was, oh, I think, I think, I, think the, I may have finished season one and then that was about it. That was, that was the last thing I remember. Yeah. At the end, at the end of season two, he got shot, but he See? made it through that and had a drug addiction oh yeah now they're on season four and apparently somebody does die at the end of season four it's just they've been teasing it all season long okay maybe that's what i thought mm-hmm. um yeah that's probably all, all we have to give on the update of that story so now would you like to give one of the other two stories oh god i don't even know where to begin take your pick um, both of them are pretty terrible how do virginia yeah yeah, okay. This is gonna be it's gonna this is a lot. Mm-hmm. Buckle up. <laughs> so <laughs> in Virginia, we're not really sure what's what's going on with our government. If we, we have a government, I don't even we it's been kinda squirrely for a while. <laughs> yeah. We want to try unplugging it for about fifteen minutes and plugging it back in. But uh yeah, the the outlet is being heavily guarded and we cannot unplug it. <laughs> this is going too far. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like we're little kids and there's a governor who's the parent that we're just like, you're wrong. Uh-huh. And when we try to approach the, the outlet, he's like slapping hands away like, no, you can't unplug. I'm here. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, so as we talked about before, Ralph Northam um, accepted responsibility and then denied responsibility and then tried to do a moonwalk on stage before his wife told him like sit the hell down did he uh, actually try to do movies? he like no did you, <laughs> it was so, i did not see oh my god there's stephen colbert is a really good uh part about this but like he just as he was talking about like you know doing blackface and things like that and like in the middle of the speech um he talks about doing like he as like Michael Jackson, like he learned how to do the moon, doing the moonwalk, and then put mm. shoe polish on his face. And so then a reporter asked, uh, "Did you win the competition?" And he said, "Yeah, I did win the competition for Michael Jackson." And it's like first face palm. And then afterwards, the reporter goes, "Well, can you still do the moonwalk?" And then the governor starts like look peering like over the stage just to kind of see if there's like enough room for him to do the moonwalk. Oh my God! And just as about he's a step, he's about to step off. This is like for, like maybe like ten or fifteen seconds. He's seriously comp- contemplating it. Oh my gosh! His wife just taps him and goes, 
inappropriate circumstances. <laughs> who let that reporter in there to ask those questions? Someone who was damn good at their job because if he had done the moonwalk and you would have been the reporter to ask him. <laughs> Oh my gosh. If I was an editor, I would, I would have given that reporter a raise. Yes, I would give that reporter a raise. But at the same time, it's like, how did that reporter get in there to ask that type of question? I know. Um, man, but he was so close. He almost did it. So within a week after Governor Ralph Northam's controversial yearbook became public and his refusal to resign, even after multiple colleagues, including Democratic members of the House, the Congressional Black Caucus, 2020 Contenders, a Fairpoint podcast, all these just great resources asking him to resign. Uh, wow. He, <laughs> he's been met by more controversy. Um, oh, sorry, not him. But other people, well, he, I guess he's been by, met by controversy he, by not resigning. Yeah, because he did just like announce yesterday. He's like, I'm still not resigning. Yeah, exactly. Even after this has been, you know, a week or so of people asking him to resign. Um, so then Attorney General Mark Herring um, also admitted to wearing blackface in the 1980s. Although there isn't like a picture, which I think like makes things more viral. You know what I mean? Like just, mm. like, I would get like a news alert, but it wasn't like a picture of the blackface so it isn't like a viral image so now like if you just search um ralph northam probably for the rest of his life you're gonna find this kkk picture Mm -hmm. you know Um, i have to ask with the mark herring part doesn't make any difference that he's since he said it of his own volition like how we were talking about last week or not really because he only did it after someone else just got in trouble that he was like working close to right i mean i like i i i just i don't care you know like i think that what happened in the same way that um ralph northam talked about doing blackface michael jackson it's like if he had denied that if he had denied that it was him inside this picture and then just like straight up denied it and like left it alone and then someone found this blackface of michael jackson picture he'd be even in even more hot water you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um and so he said it to like kind of like get ahead of the story basically mm-hmm. but i don't think that like getting ahead of the story is the same as like owning up to it yeah before because if you were going to own up to it beforehand if this was something that you like truly felt regrettable you know for doing um and you knew that it was going to come to haunt you then you would have said this like during your campaign or like earlier on you know what i mean it mm-hmm. wasn't just, it wouldn't just be convenient right after someone else got in trouble for it then you're like oh yeah i remember doing blackface too Mm-hmm. It feels just too so. Convenient. He was basically just trying to get out in front of it too. Yeah, exactly. Because the because obviously, I mean, like you look at it, like University of Richmond had a really racist photo of a black guy like hanging himself by a noose or pretending to be hung by a noose, mm-hmm. um, and then KKK members or people dressed up as KKK members like circled around him and he was like drinking a beer and laughing. Um, and so like that came out, and then like UVA like talked to, like they went through their yearbooks and found like blackface, and so. It's just, like, it, it's everywhere. And so, mm-hmm. like, he just knew his time was coming. And so he was like, well, let me just say something before it comes out. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. So I don't feel like people are like, oh, like, between the three of them, like, Mark Herring is, like, looking the best because he was the one that volunteered this information. That's like, yeah, but I, I just don't, like... Yeah, there's a caveat to him giving that information. Right. Like, he would have never said this had... Um, North of never North gotten gun. Yeah, exactly. So why am I going to give him a cookie for that? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense. I I feel like even if he came out of his own volition and said it, where it wasn't someone else got in trouble, 
mm-hmm. he still shouldn't get a cookie. Yeah, no. Because yeah. it's just like, you did a terrible thing. Thank you for letting us know. Right. But you don't get a cookie. Uh, yeah, no one should get a cookie for doing blackface. No. So he came out and admitted to wearing blackface in the 1980s. Apparently that was just the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't really have any, any much more to say about, I guess, Mark Herring or whatever. And then Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax um, was accused of sexual assault by Vanessa Tyson. And then a couple of days later, uh, a rape allegation came out from Meredith Watson, who said in her statement uh, through her lawyers that Fairfax raped her while they were students at Duke, Univer- Duke University in 2000. As far as Vanessa Tyson goes, she's a professor in California and claimed that she was sexually assaulted by Fairfax during the 2004 Democratic National Convention in Boston. Um, and so it's just like, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and there are... It's really interesting because there are a lot of comparisons being drawn between how he treated Brett Kavanaugh and how we're treating Justin Fairfax, mm-hmm. especially because, I mean, there are so many different complexities that are added onto it. One, for Justin Fairfax, all of his accusers and himself being black, him being in like lieutenant, like being the lieutenant governor as opposed to like uh, applying for a seat on the Supreme Court. And then you have for Brett Kavanaugh, um, you know, both him and his accuser being white, them both being, well, Brett Kavanaugh being a Republican. And so there's like, there's a lot of complexities that kind of go through all of these. Yeah. But yeah, but it was like really interesting to, to see that and also know that she's, Vanessa Tyson is a professor in California, similar to Dr. Blasey Ford, um, who was, who is a professor in California as well. Um, and so wondering, like, are we going to honor and ask for the same investigations that we did for Dr. Blasey Ford? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we as we do for Vanessa, uh, Vanessa Tyson and Meredith Watson. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I think it's interesting because I think that when we first started with Vanessa, sorry, when we first started with Dr. Blasey Ford, a lot of people... And a lot of my friends were saying, like, just, like, believe her, right? That was, like, mm-hmm. the hashtag believe her. And some people, it was, like, a believe her in, like, blind faith that she's telling the truth mm-hmm. um, and not in, like, go through an investigation, which is always really hard if you're thinking about investigating something like sexual assault because more often than not, there are only two people inside the room. Yeah. And so, like, to be able to... Like those are the only two people that really know what's going on, and even then, they have their own perceptions as to how things went forward. Yeah, like with Vanessa's case, like it's literally come down to a he said, she said, where she's saying, like, he forced me to do these things, to which he was like, "No, I didn't force you to do anything. You did that on your own." Right. Right. So and it's, like, it's literally he said, she said, and there was no one else that can really attest to it. And that's like, again, like 99%, I don't know, that's a high percentage, but like a lot of sexual assault, I'd say mm. more often than not, sexual assault claims are like that. Um, and so that's what always makes it so hard, right? Because you want it there to be a fair trial, you want there to be justice, you want there to be objective opinions. But you, we also know that like the majority of sexual assault claims, vast majority are like, they're not, they're not false reports. You mm. know what I mean? It's very, very rare that you find a false report um, of a sexual assault that comes out. Yeah. Which actually brings a problem with, uh, for me, when it comes to the Chris Brown case over in France, because that was like two weeks ago, he was accused right. of sexual assault. Right. And then, yeah, it turned out that it was a complete and total lie. But one thing that I don't like that came about it 
which I've heard some people support it, is he came out with a shirt. Yes, I saw that. That said, that line. Mm-hmm. So which I really don't like that because then people that actually do this and get away with it will wear that shirt and be like, oh, I was falsely accused too. It's like, no, you're literally smacking the person that you assaulted in the face with this shirt. Exactly. So it was just like, in Chris Brown's case, sure, it works, but mm-hmm. it's not a good thing to have for a lot of other people. Right, which then goes into like the complexities of like black men being seen as like, you know, sexual demons and like animals and people that are out, especially like assaulting and raping white women, right? That being the whole plot of Birth of a Nation. Um and the KKK being there to save save the white woman. And so it's like, how do you add and recognize all these complexities while still knowing that like we live in a power structure where men dominate and like men are going to be seen like their word is going to be seen as more valid than a woman's, Mm -hmm. especially in a case like this, Um, because most more often than not, these cases are then being decided by men as well. And so they're saying, oh, I didn't do that or I wouldn't do that or I could see how that could get a little bit squirrely or whatever, maybe even just with sex in general, like there's very, I don't know. We're going to have like a culture of like talking about sex and like being really open, like with, yes, I want this or no, I don't want that. Or, you know what I mean? It's not like a Mm. lot of open communication. It's a lot of unsaid, you know, I'm just going to feel it out. I don't want to make it awkward. I don't want to say, do you want to have sex? And then ask for verbal consent because then it's going to get weird. And then the mood's going to be totally ruined. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like all of these all these times and that's just kind of like how how it all works it's getting kind of off the subject of justin fairfax i mean i would love for a for like there to be some type of like trial or understanding or investigation um into what happened because i know that like through the washington post was it um the washington post first got uh Vanessa's story like a year ago right to which they said that they couldn't find anything conclusive and then this past week she came out with her own full statement on the matter Mm -hmm. to which then people are like oh this seems really real right right um and then the same thing with Watson like she shared conversations um via Facebook messenger in 2016 where she confessed to a friend that she was a rape victim of Fairfax um Fairfax and we'll say like his side of it um has denied both allegations, saying, I deny the latest unsubstantiated allegation. This is demonstra- demonstrably... Can you say it? Demonstra- demonstrably? Sure. False. <laughs> uh, I've never forced myself on anyone. I demand the full investigation into these unsubstantiated and false allegations. Such an investigation will confirm uh, my account because I'm telling the truth and I will clear my good name and I have nothing to hide. And so I think that, like, again, this is, uh, like, a lot, like, sexual assault and and a lot of just non-consensual sex or any sexual acts or things like that. It's it's not about, like, misunderstanding the policies of university or, like, not knowing about, like, verbal consent or whatever. It's about power and it's about feeling in control mm-hmm. and wanting to assert that power, that dominance, that control over another person. And a lot of times it happens to be, like, that's, it's just, it's a tool that's being used on a subservient or like not even subservient excuse me but like on a on a people that's been marginalized right think about the ways in which native americans were raped think about Mm -hmm. the ways in which whenever someone that conquered a city in 
um, the Mongolian Empire or whatever, like they would go there and they would rape the women, right? That's mm-hmm. just it's it's a tool that's being used as a form of power, as a form to show dominance over another person. Even when it comes to American slavery, that's something that would be done to black men, mm-hmm. like by the slave traders. Like they would take who they thought was the strongest or the most willing, mm-hmm. like willing against in the group, rape them to get everybody else to fall in line. Yeah. Um, or castrate them or, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and Sally Hemings, obviously, you know, a well-known um, rape victim of Thomas Jefferson. And so you have like all of these different ways in which sex is being used as like a, a sort of, as a way to assert power and dominance over another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I think that like a lot of this will come down to whether it is Justin Fairfax or just any general like sexual assault claim is like the understanding that this is an idea and like using using the silence of our culture, using like the ideas that we're not supposed to be talking about sex, that we're not supposed to be open and vocal about it as a way to like, you know, assert your dominance over someone because when someone's being, you know, taken advantage of, it's very hard for that person to then speak out and say, no, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's what happens, right? It's not like this strange misunderstanding or like, I thought this was going well. And then it just, you know, then she just randomly accused me. It's like, no, like there was some, power and domination being asserted i don't know i I just i i what i want to happen i don't think can happen Mm -hmm. you know like i want what i want to happen in every single case of sexual assault is that there is um an investigation that there's like an understanding as to what happened um and that the person who assaulted was the person who like assaulted someone Mm -hmm. was like you know we will be brought to justice um but that's just not how our criminal justice system works um that's also not how like you know unless you have video or I don't know, recording or like this, it's just very, very rare that you're going to have any type of substantial evidence Mm -hmm. other than hearsay. Do you think with Fairfax's case that he should like, do you think that you should step down with everything that's going on? Or do you think that he should have something kind of like a suspension where he's on leave until the investigation is done? Oh, that's a new idea. Um, Hmm. Because I know with Kavanaugh, we were saying don't push forward with uh, right, trying to get him in there until the investigation has been done. Right. Um, I mean, that would make sense. Um, but I... It's so hard. So, like, that would definitely make sense. And mm-hmm. in a perfect world, there would be an investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the investigation would prove substantially whatever the truth is yeah but what i think is going to happen is that if he did step aside and there was an investigation or if he did resign and there was an investigation it again is going to be very unlikely that they find anything Mm. that's substantial because of the circumstances not saying that i don't believe her not saying that there's anything wrong with her story that it's un you know unable to corroborate but Mm. what i'm saying is that it's just going to be hard to prove as, as all sexual assaults are yeah, the best way that's going to be able to be proved is if they go into, like, campus police records and find a report that was made against him in 2000, which that would be if she spoke out about it at the right, time, which right. a lot of times with sexual assault victims, they feel so ashamed about it, They feel like they're going to be attacked. Like, they often do get mm-hmm. attacked about and it. And they were so, just attacked. You yeah. Know what I mean? And so, like, to put yourself out there in a vulnerable position. Really yeah, hard. so people typically stay silent about it. So there's been, like, the whole thing that people have been saying of, if this actually happened to you, be vocal about it immediately. But it's 
kind of ignoring the fact that there's a trauma that just happened. Exactly. That there's a backlash that they're thinking about is going to mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. So they have all this negative of why they would come out that they don't know whether or not they should come out with it or just keep it hidden for as long as they could. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, it happens with friends, right? It happens with people that you're really close to. Like, I imagine, I don't know about the person that was at, um, I don't know about like Vanessa, uh, Dr. Tyson, who was at the Democratic National Convention. But I'm sure that if like you were at Duke University and you were two black kids at Duke University in, in the 2000s or the early, the late 90s, like you probably knew each other and you probably mm-hmm. were friends. Matter of fact, uh, I believe it was Watson had said that they were actually friends. They weren't dating or anything. Mm-hmm. And that, right. That happened. Right. Exactly. Um, and so, I mean, and then like, how do you have, how do you like, talk about sexual assault and like admit that to either your friends or admit that to campus police or whatever because you're having you're running in the same circles there weren't many black people in duke and there probably still aren't many black people at duke right Mm -hmm. now um and so how do you kind of like just tank your entire social circle you know and like all the type of community that you have and have built and the trust that you put in the person um that they wouldn't take advantage of you how do you take all that and throw that away for the like for like knowing that this is something that can't be corroborated or that you mm-hmm. know what I mean that's going to be so hard to prove that you're risking everything you're risking all of your uh all of your friends for this idea of like blaming someone or you know saying that someone did something really horrible to you mm-hmm. and then like having nothing come of it you know, because it's going to be so hard. Yeah. Um, and so I think that like, that's just another reason why sexual assaults are just rarely ever reported because these are close people. It's like, you know, most sexual assaults happen. They're not the boogeyman that runs out in the trench coat and tackles you in the middle of central park. Like this is someone that, you know, you have trusting friendship relationship with, mm-hmm. um, that then, you know, takes over. And so how do you, how do you just like, I don't know, look past that or weigh the options of, getting what may possibly be justice, even though you're probably not going to get that mm-hmm. um, and weighing that against, you know, kind of staying silent and moving on and pretending like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Lieutenant governor again, cited background checks and all sorts of other stuff. Um, multiple Virginia Democrats have stepped forward saying, like former governor uh, Terry McAuliffe, who tweeted, the allegations against Justin Fairfax are serious and credible. It is more clear to me, it's clear to me that he can no longer effectively serve the people of Virginia as lieutenant governor. I call for his immediate resignation, um, which is something that also like that last part of like no longer being a, able to effectively serve is like a lot of the reason why people were saying Governor Northam should resign. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's like the trust has been so eroded from you. And then for the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus, uh, released a statement saying, in light of the most recent sexual assault allegations against Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus believes it is best for Lieutenant Governor Fairfax to step down from his position. While we believe that anyone who is accused of such grievous and harmful act must receive due process prescribed by the Constitution, we can't see it in the best interest of the Commonwealth of Virginia for Lieutenant Governor to remain in his role. Um, and then Justin, Justin Fairfax, um, as well as Ralph Northam have all, again, 
refused to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anyone's asked for what's his face to resign. The Herring. attorney general. Yeah. Yeah. He's literally just kind of been quiet ever since he said that. He was just like, yeah, I did blackface too. And then he just kind of like ducked behind the curtains and we haven't really seen him since. Right. Exactly. Cause I think that he knows that he has a potential to be, you know, next in line for the governorship. Mm-hmm. And then the crazy, crazy, crazy thing is that if all three of them were resigned or removed from office or whatever, the fourth person in line is the person that is the chair of the House um, in Virginia, who's a Republican, hmm. who's not only a Republican, but is the Republican that won by having his name picked out of a film canister. Um, did you hear about this? Remember no. there was like this really crazy election, like the votes were so close. Um, and there's like the, this Virginia rule. It's like so ancient where if like the votes are too close to count and they've recounted them maybe like two or three times that, uh, a name would just be chosen out of a hat, um, type of thing. And so this is literally how this person was elected was his name was chosen as opposed to the Democrats name. Um, this is why your votes matter, people. This is why you vote. Mm-hmm. This is literally why you vote. Gosh, it's such a <laughs> stupid rule. <laughs> And so that's that's how he got elected mm-hmm. is by like and then I heard that it, it wasn't even a hat it wasn't a bowl it was like a film canister with like two names inside of it and someone picked it out. It's like wow. Yeah, I could just see someone being like, I'm gonna make sure mine gets the inside part because they're gonna pull <laughs> from the middle. To be honest, what I always do whenever I have like the name like put your names and fold it up inside of a bowl mm-hmm. is I uh, crinkle it up. Mm-hmm. And then I toss it inside the bowl because oftentimes when someone's like fishing around, they'll feel that one like as like a an oddity. Mm-hmm. And every single time I've done that, I've always won. I'm being so serious. Every single time I've always won. That's part of the, the reason why this is such a stupid <laughs> thing to do for. So I'm like, what if he knew that? And he was like, I'm going to crinkle it. And then I'm going to get elected to office. <laughs> also, where did they just find a film canister? I don't know. I feel like a bowl <laughs> or a hat would be a lot more common for you to find. It would be a lot more common. Um, but yeah, that's that's how he got quote unquote elected um, or chosen really is how it happened. I saw somebody say that uh, Northam should instate someone to replace Fairfax. Like Fairfax should re- resign. Northam should put someone in to replace him. Right. And then he steps down right. and then that person would step up and right. take his place. That's what I heard as well, um, as like a way to get around having film canister guy become governor of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Because again, this is like, like these people were all elected by Virginians. This was, and for the, again, the fourth person in line being someone that was so closely contested, like it's very clear that like this is what Virginians wanted. This is what they voted for. They voted for Democrats, albeit flawed, mm-hmm. um, but they voted for Democrats. And so to like have all that be taken away, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, is something that I think would be really crazy. And so then I go into, you have these people that are elected, you have these Democrats, um, so I think that that might be like another option is what you talked about, just having the idea of someone being appointed basically to become the governor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the looks uh, of it, Northam's not going to step down no matter, unless there was something that was even more came out about him. It looks like he's not going to step down. And I don't know like what we can do about that because then it's like, so this is another thing is that like what happens if because Northam has done like a lot of good things to help out black people or lower income people or incarcerated people like he's done some really good legislation around that um, or blocked legislation that was going to harm these groups these marginalized groups. And so 
if all three of these people did resign or were forced out or some type of coup or whatever, then you get the Republican in that's going to undo all these helpful things that have happened on a systematic level because of an individual harm that was caused. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not talking about individual harm is like the sexual assault. I'm talking more about the blackface. Um, and so how do you, how do you kind of like reconcile these two things? Um, as like, is it worth being upset about a person doing blackface? Is that worth having a Republican in office that's going to undo a lot of laws and rules that have helped out people on a systemic level? Mm-hmm. Something else, else I've been wondering is, is there any way with all these things that are coming out that someone can actually get away unscathed where it's like, we have so much going on, let's just give Northam a second chance or like uh, Fairfax's whole case literally like making this so everybody ignores Northam's case. Right. Because I would say on the grand scheme of it, assaulting someone just looks and actually is a lot worse than someone that did something that visibly is terrible, but didn't actually like you didn't touch anybody for the matter. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's obviously the most serious um, and egregious case with that's Mm -hmm. like, that's been um, kind of founded through everyone. So yeah, I mean, like that's, that's an option. I mean, I don't know. There's just no, seems like there's no good way out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just all bad. Like they just all have done bad things on varying levels of badness, but none of it's good. None of it's like, <laughs> I, I feel know? like there's no good on varying levels. of <laughs> <laughs> It's not, yeah, there's not, there's not going well. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty terrible, but let's seriously consider unplugging Virginia, waiting 15 minutes and plugging it back in again. But we would like to have internet during that time. <laughs> <laughs> God, I knew it. I knew you were going to try to add some weird, unnecessary... How was that weird? It was weird. It was... You could just, like... We know be... that we need the internet during all times. I know. I know that we do. But we can just, like... It can be, like, a good like simile, fif- you Like, know, 15 minutes we could read a book during that time rather metaphor, than be on the internet. It could be, like, something that can be just left alone. Like, just like, oh, yeah, unplug it, plug it back in. I get it. That's the same thing yeah. they did with, with Trump. He's like, the government's not working. Unplug it, plug it back in. Yeah, but you know I can never go that simple. <laughs> you know I always got to throw some type of weird thing in. I know, that's why you have Australian shoes. Gosh! <laughs> now that's definitely the intro. <laughs> okay. So in the spirit of Black History Month and all of the wonderful racist things that are happening. Especially in the 80s, apparently. <laughs> Liam Nielsen. Nielsen? Nielsen? Nielsen. I don't really care. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. In an interview to promote his upcoming movie, Nielsen confessed to wanting to kill a black person after someone close to him was raped in the 80s. The only information Nelson Nielsen... Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> That's stupid. Neeson uh, bothered to get from his acquaintance was that they were black. So he spent a week, the whole next week after the event, roaming the streets at night, ready with a blood, uh, a blunt instrument to bludgeon a person to death. Jesus, a black person. The first one he saw, he was just gonna kill. My God. Uh, since the confession became public, the internet exploded about uh, Neeson's racist mindset and action. Some even coming out saying that it's understandable since someone close to him had been raped, so you would understand the rage, to which people have been like, 
Yeah, but that doesn't explain why he would want to just kill any black person, the next one that he would see. Right. And there was even... I found out she got Donkey of the Day with Charlemagne the God. But Michelle Rodriguez uh, stated that Neeson could not possibly be racist. Oh, I thought you were talking about the woman that was raped. No, 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 no. no. Michelle Rodriguez. Okay, okay, actress. Okay, that feels better. uh, She said that he could not be racist because... Yes, could not be racist because of the way that he kisses a black woman, which is Viola Davis on the set of the movie Widows. And her quote was, his tongue was so far down Viola Davis's throat. You couldn't call him a racist ever. Racists don't make out with the race that they hate, especially in the way that he does with his tongue. So deep down her throat. That's her quote. To which... Just breathe. To which that makes literally no sense. But okay. None at all. We were literally just talking about raping black people. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson did it a lot. Right. It happened all through. It's, it's, it's not, always happened, sadly. But it's like we heard multiple cases of it happening throughout the civil rights movement. Like it's. Right. And that was literally white people hating black people. And they would still rape them regardless. Exactly. Like saying how far you put your tongue down someone's throat does not do anything A racist about not make. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Um, one, because like. Just going back to that, the conversation about sexual assault, um, it's never a good idea to threaten to harm the person that harmed your loved one because that's only going to, that's going to put your loved one in more danger or it's going to make them feel that like they're going to be in more danger because again, like there's retaliation that can happen. That person can then come back and find them. Um, there's like a lot of things that can happen and you should never, like if someone's sexually assaulted, that's very close to you, you should support them and love them and ask them what they want to do, whether it's reported to the police, get a rape kit done or whatever. But Mm -hmm. like, those are the things that you should be asking. Not like, let me carry around a blunt instrument and kill any black person that I see. Mm -hmm. That's like absolutely not how you should handle that situation. Oh, definitely not. I mean, it would be a bit more understandable if it was the actual person that did it, but he didn't bother to find out anything other than that they were black, so he was just going to go kill the next black person that he saw. Yeah, that's that's just racism. That's yeah. not like uh, like you're like you had racism, and then you're like, how can I use this racism? What's that? You said you're raped by a black person. That's all I need to hear, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Matter of fact, I have a little story about somebody that ended up unfriendly on Facebook. It was a coworker, uh huh, and it was well. Back in like 2015, I was like posting a bit more and more of like the racist things that were being done in society. Like when the anniversary of Michael Brown's death came around, there were people right. wanting to make it like Darren Wilson Day, the officer that killed I did Michael hear Brown. About this. Yeah, I did hear about this. So I would like comment on so stuff disgusting. like that, like, wow, racism at work yet again. To which this friend eventually was like, okay, I'm sick of seeing all your posts about this stuff. So okay. which was just like, well, Okay, there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. But it was every single time I'd post something about it. Mm -hmm. All she would post is, I don't like seeing this. Stop posting this. And it got to the point where like we would have like full arguments on these posts. And there was one time that she actually gave an argument. And the whole thing that she said was, my parents ran a store. And one time these two black guys came and stuck it up and terrified my mom. My mom never recovered from it. And I was like, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Two black guys came and robbed the store. Okay. Are you using this as justification against every single black person? Right. Just because two people robbed the store and they happen to be black? Mm-hmm. 
if two white people had robbed your store, you wouldn't be justifying that against every white person. You wouldn't be like, oh my God, I hate all white people. Exactly. I need to, I need to be afraid of them. You'd be like, oh, that was so random. Those two white guys, they must have needed something. Exactly. Like, so it comes down to this whole matter of, okay, something terrible happened and the person happened to be this way. You cannot then throw that image on every single person that fits that description. Yeah. So, I... I can Man. understand Neeson wanting to hurt the person that did it. I cannot understand him wanting to hurt anybody that was the same color as the person that did it. Yes. Because yes. it's literally throwing that hate onto just that whole entire race of people. And I think that that's something that I've come to realize. And someone said this to me like the other day, or maybe it was a little bit while ago. They were just kind of like, racism like doesn't make sense. And when we try to make it make sense... Like, it makes less sense. Right. You know? So when you're like, how can you do this? How can you hate an entire group of people? It's like, well, it's not, racism is not supposed to make sense. It's not supposed to be something that's like a logical, oh, now I understand. Like, this is why you hate these people. Mm-hmm. No, it's supposed to be, I hate them because of a feeling that I have, or I hate them because I've seen images of them harming people that look like me. Or you in your mind associate something with that race. Right. Exactly. Like, like a lot of times you'll have like, the violence that you see of gangs that instantly gets thrown onto black people, even mm-hmm. though there are a lot of white people in gangs. Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of white people, most white, not most white people. <laughs> <laughs> most white people are in gangs. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know you're saying that most people in gangs are actually white. Uh, yeah. And I was even, I was actually talking about like, uh, with like drug use or things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. You think about drug dealers or, um, drug users and like knowing that, there's just so many different studies and statistics statistics mm-hmm. that show um, that white people use drugs at an, at the same rate, if not at a higher rate, than black people use drugs. Mm-hmm. And yet black people are overwhelmingly inside of jail and prosecuted for drug crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have all these different ideas where this just becomes a way in which people will then have these ideas and these associations about black people, people being like the police, right? Have the association about black people. They will see black people who would then get pulled over and searched inside their car more often during like, routine traffic stops. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw this study about this that it was, I think it was in North Carolina that black people, they did a study on all the different police officers inside of, I don't name a place, Greensboro. Um, and, during inside the study they found that black people were pulled over black and latinx people were pulled over more often than white people were pulled over during routine um like for like a routine traffic stop and they also found out that the black and latinx people that were pulled over were people that were uh like they were they had their cars searched uh, mm. during that time more often than white people did but what they found also and this is like the kicker is that when they did search white people's cars they were more likely to find something inside of a white person's car than they were inside of like a black or, or a latinx person's car mm-hmm. um and so seeing that like you're not even searching the right people you know what i mean like yeah. if you're gonna find more things inside of this person's car and you're gonna be racially profiling people then how are you not doing this to white people if this is what your data shows you know what I mean? But yeah. it's not about data. It's not about what makes sense. It's about what like you, what stories you've been told, what stereotypes you've been, feed, you've been fed. Yeah, so the point that when it comes to stuff like that, I feel like some people even, they'll do things more subconsciously just because they have this in their mind and they carry it around in their mind so that even if they're not doing something with the most up, up forth knowledge about it, they're still going to act within that range. Oh, yeah. Like, a, for example, when it comes to police officers, when you think about a... 
I forget what his last name was, but Stephen, the guy that was killed in Sacramento like last March, he was in his uh, grandmother's backyard and he had a cell phone, yes. but they said it was a gun. Then they said it was crowbar. Yes. yes. And then he got shot 20 times. The officers walked around the side of the house for that. If they thought that he was somebody that had a gun, they could have stayed around the house and gave commands to make sure that they were safe. Instead, they came around at him. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing they did was shoot him. Yeah. Whereas you'll have other cases. Like, I remember this one case happened within the last year. Of There was this guy that had hostages in a house. And it was like this old white guy in his 50s or 60s. And there were a bunch of police officers there that took cover behind their cars and tried to negotiate. They didn't even bother really talking to Stephen at all. Mm-hmm. They didn't bother t- trying to talk to Samir. They didn't bother try, like talking to Alton Sterling. Really, mm-hmm. they just wrestled on the ground. When Flando Castile was trying to talk to them, they were just like freaked out and shot him. Mm-hmm. Like all these different cases where it is a matter of there are pre precautions that you can do to keep yourself safe. Sure, some of them might not be seem like the best ideas, but there's always things that you can do to keep yourself safe. But for some reason, a lot of times with black people, you just have gun first. Oh, yeah, I'd absolutely. find the gun rather than the side of the house. Mm-hmm. And you know you're going to get off. You know that you're a word, and especially again, like the Chicago Police Department, right? You're going to have mm-hmm. people that are going to back you up and say, this is what I saw too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, you're rarely ever going to have repercussions for that, um, especially if you, quote, feared for your life. Mm-hmm. And yet you're only fearing for your life with black people. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan Roof gets taken out in a a vest, a bulletproof vest out of his home, even though you know that he shot up an entire church. Mm hmm. Anyways. Yeah. So it's just something mindset wise that really needs to be dropped. It's just like all the preconceived notions that we have on people, uh, just basing a whole group of people off the actions of one or a few people. Like it's just something that people do very quickly and it's very disgusting human human nature and it's like like is it human nature is it something that's been taught to us like through society right and that's like Mm -hmm. the part that i wonder because it's i don't know uh what do you think i'm not really sure could you say this is a case of like a toxic masculinity because he wanted to go out and like protect his friend oh yeah it's both toxic masculinity and racism i mean these are systems that work together it's not something yeah it's it's like um oh it's like the knot that you tie your shoes with right you can't untie one knot without without untying the other it's like that's how like racism toxic masculinity that's how the patriarchy works that's how homophobia works like they're all intertwined together Mm -hmm. i've never heard that saying though i just learned it (laughs) and now i use it I tried. I forgot what the knot is called, but it's a special type of knot that you use to tie your shoes, and you can't untie one. Is it the, the like the bunny? Yeah, loop. I'm telling you, and try it. Gotcha. So yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't know. This is a whatever. I like it like that. Too damn bad. But I don't, I don't think anything that we've talked about so far really has a segment that we've made. They're <laughs> all just updates and happy Black History Month because this is the world because the i will find you and i will kill you guy literally tried to do that with just any random black person yeah and it wasn't even like a you it was just like i will find black people and Mm -hmm. i will kill them Mm -hmm. and then after a week he finally calmed down (sighs) it took him a week to calm down we're so thankful for you being able to calm down Mm -hmm. would you be willing to give him a break since he knows that's wrong now or would you say nah still just the fact that you did this in the first place. 
I know. I mean, I still didn't give the guy uh, in Green Book. I didn't give him a break. Like, there's a guy in Green Book. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one that, like, threw away the glasses that the black people drank out of in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, from that moment, I was like, you're a racist. What, like, what are we, why, yeah. why are we having a whole movie about this? And so, like, even in the end, when, like, it all, like, came back together and, like, all the white people were nice and everything was fine, um, I was still like, y'all were, y'all are all racist. Like, what, what is going on? Yeah, Velma was the only one that was, like, she's good from jump. Right, exactly. You do know that the wife was Velma from the Scooby-Doo movies, right? I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She's um, also a Hawkeye's wife in the Avengers. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so like, so I, I have a hard time like letting go of stuff like that um, just personally, but then it also becomes like, obviously like I've changed and I've grown and I've, you know, said things that I've regretted mm-hmm. um, and done things that I've regretted before. And so it's like, what I want someone to give the same to me. And then I'm always like, we're always giving white people the, the benefit of the doubt. We're always giving them this idea of like a second chance and like Trayvon Martin didn't have a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so we have these, all these ideas, like these false equivalencies uh, being able to, let someone, you know, oh, well, you know, boys just being boys, you know, he was just really angry and trying to protect the woman and blah, 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 blah. But like, you just went out on your own birth of a nation, you know, like yeah. tirade of trying to protect this woman from um, being raped or after she told you that she was raped by a black person. Mm-hmm. But something that you said with a, like Trayvon didn't get a second chance. And this is not me like, trying to downplay what you say or say that mm. you shouldn't say something like that. But mm-hmm. it's always a matter of I always think of just because someone did something to you, like in politics, when people mm-hmm. are just like, well, uh, Obama, the Democrats did this, uh, pushed Obamacare through at night just so that people couldn't vote on it. So why can't we do that with this case? Cause there was like something recently mm-hmm. where they did that. It's just like, if you have a problem with that, then you should not be trying to push to do the same type of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I hear what you're saying, and that kind of goes back to the other politics that we talked about, like, are we going to say, believe her for Dr. Blasey Ford, but not believe her for Watson and uh, Dr. Vanessa? Yeah, so it's like the matter of Trayvon didn't get a second chance, and it's like, that's a fair point, but at the same time, does that mean that we can't give someone else a second chance? Yes. I hear that. Yeah, I do. Like, I completely get what you're right. saying with your mindset because it's just like, well, we get this unfair treatment all the time, so mm-hmm. why should we be the ones to do that? Because that's that's what it comes down to, yeah. right? Is that like we're always the ones acquiescing to white people, or always the one being like, no, no, it's not that bad. No, mm-hmm. no, it's okay. No, no, don't worry. And so it's like, how do you, how do we continue to do that in a way? Which is why I definitely understand why people have rage. You know what I mean? Why mm-hmm. there is such a, I don't know understanding and hate for like injustice and that you have groups like antifa that are just like f this like we're mm-hmm. burning down the house just like y'all are trying to burn down the house yeah um and it's just always so messed up how the people like the hunted if you will like the people that are marginalized the people that are taken advantage of are always the ones that have to like wait for the white people to not be racist anymore always Mm -hmm. the ones that have to wait for the men to not be sexist anymore have to wait for the homophobes to you know turn a new leaf and have a gay friend and be like oh wow you're not that different from me you know like it's just like all these ideas that like this is the world that we live in and so i toy with that a lot i toy with this idea of what parts of it are like feel like vengeance or parts of it feel like i should i should have no mercy for you just like you had no mercy for me or people that look like me 
Um, and then other parts that are like, well, you know, I, if I view myself as someone that is caring and compassionate in a way that I did not view you, then how can I, how can I say those things but not live them out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's a very fair to be, and there's like no real easy answer for it. And I feel like Mm-mm. most of the stuff there's not an easy answer for. And we people like give an be. easy answer, exactly. don't think very far into it. Right. So the easy answer for, you know, Governor Northam and Justin Fairfax and all of them is resign. That's mm-hmm. easy. Just take them out of office. And then it's just kind of like, wait, let's like dig a little bit deeper and realize mm-hmm. that there's all these complexities within it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because just go back to the entire, just go back to Justin Fairfax. So like if he did, and I can see why you would want, whether if you're innocent or guilty, I can see why you would want a case because you know that the odds are in your favor mm-hmm. that they're not going to be able to prove anything, which is why the Washington Post story didn't come out. Yeah. Um, and so like when they're not able to prove anything, you're then vindicated as a person who did or didn't do something wrong. Um, and that person who said that you did something wrong, said that you hurt them in a really hurtful way is then like sh- sh- seen as like a liar for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so like it's, it would be rare that it would be like a losing situation for Justin Fairfax if there was a, if there was a trial that came out of it. Yeah. But that's how, again, that's how the system works. That's how we like protect people and protect the the privileged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. we have another, if you know, you know, why don't we have like intro music to that? We do. Oh, we do. If you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Pusha T, the best rapper of 2018. Not better than Soulja Boy. <laughs> so for this, if you know, you know. Let's have a Soulja Boy drop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But for real though, my friend, my roommate... Did have me go through all of Soldier Boy's uh whatever 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 his album was uh Soldier Boy Tell Him I think was the his very first album. one um that joint is terrible so he had me listen to it and there were more tracks I didn't realize that like all of Soldier Boy's songs came from that album like Kiss Me Through the Phone and Kiss Crank- Me Through the Phone wasn't from that album was it not no I thought that I listened to it um maybe he was tricking me but whatever was the other one uh uh Pretty Boy Swag. I think we're thinking of two different Soldier Boy Tell Em albums. Ooh. Because I think there is two different ones. There's the first one that had, like, Crank That, uh, Yah, okay. Report Card. Like, that was his first, first one. Mm-hmm. It was, like, him in a white t-shirt on the cover. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, like, glasses. Mm-hmm. And then the one with Kiss Me Through the Phone. I think he was, like, it was more of, like, a face shot, but you could see he was, like, wearing a red shirt. He had a black hat on or a blue hat. Yes. So, ready for it. There's Soldier Boy Tellum and there's Soldier Boy Tellum.com. Soldier Boy Tellum.com was. It was the first one. With Crank That. Mm hmm. Um, oh, well, Donk was on here, and that was, a, that was a pretty popular song. Doesn't mean it was good. <laughs> yeah, well, still. But it's a song that was. Uh, Booty Meat was on here. Okay, I'm sorry, reading off these lyrics. But. <laughs> Continue. Okay. I'm not aligned to any Soulja Boy, but he said that and I was like, okay, there are more songs than I thought there were going to be. Yes. There might be popular songs, but they're not by any means good songs. There are a lot of good songs. That are, there are a lot of popular songs that aren't good. I know. Okay. But I'm saying Soulja Boy does not have a good song. <laughs> I can't name one song by Soulja Boy that I would say is a good song. Okay. Right. <laughs> so this week for If You Know You Know, 
Bobby Steele. Oh no, I'm sorry. I need to stop. Yeah, you're kind of like on one at the moment. I actually don't know where it came from. It just came out of nowhere. Okay, okay, okay. So let's let's cut all that. Continue. So this week for if you know, you know. I'm wondering if Daniel's gonna have an outburst. Um, well. There was one person in Black History that I kind of wanted to go over, and it was someone that actually ended up being a part of creating a lot of things. You brought up Antifa on the last topic, and this is a group that probably gets viewed like Antifa and did a lot of the good, a lot more good of the type of thing that Antifa tries to do. Yes. And this is the misunderstood Black Panther Party. And I say they are misunderstood because... Yeah, they're really misunderstood. Because a lot of people like to paint them as a terrorist organization. The U.S. government. Yes. <laughs> like, all the mindsets about them being a terrorist organization and everything that people still carry today were what were being perpetrated back when the Black Panthers were going. Mm-hmm. To the point that it was... The first real appearance that was done of the Black Panthers was they went to... It's not the General Assembly. I think it's just the state congressional hearing in california mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when um when reagan, reagan was, was governor. governor so they showed up and they knew their rights of the right to bear arms so they showed up with guns just looking like this big imposing group and that's when everybody else in the nation learned about them because it became national news and reagan was like oh look at all these black people with guns we should have harsher gun laws but Poor yeah black people yeah seriously because white people can i mean in virginia we have an open carry state and as a person that's in virginia i can buy an ak-47 and walk through the downtown mall with it Mm -hmm. as a black person i cannot buy an ak-47 and walk through the downtown mall with it Mm -hmm. yeah they were seen as a terrorist group which i have a list of a few things that they did here that i don't know does not sound very terrorist organization like one was they created a newspaper that was distributed nationally that gave updates of what the Panthers were doing to the communities and gave uh, like information about major areas throughout the world so readers could know about the oppressive matters that were happening elsewhere. Uh, they started the Black Student Alliance, which was an alliance that uh, helps start many programs that would do stuff as provide free books and supplies, free transportation, child care, financial aid, food programs for good food with nutritious that was nutritious and ha- was at a reasonable price and also fought for having relevant courses at school and demanded for better instructors. They also had the free food program so that people mm-hmm. that were unable to go out and buy their groceries because of unreasonable prices be able to supply them with food so that they can be able to eat until food became a reasonable price again. Uh, they had they started the free ambulance service. So apparently it seems to be that when you used to ride in the ambulance, they would check to see what your financial status was to see if you could afford to be transported in this ambulance to which they were like, nah, that's not right. And they were available 24 hours a day for emergency services. And when they would be uh, not emergency trips that were needed to be taken, like transport to hospitals, taken to checkups or whatnot, and there was no emergency going on, they would use the ambulance and transport people anywhere anywhere that they needed to go for those matters between the times of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Uh, they did SAFE, which was Seniors Against the Fearful Environment, where seniors were fearful of being mugged whenever they went to go cash their Social Security checks or their pension checks. And they first went to the police who said, walk closer to the curb. 
So after that helpful advice from the police, they said, hey, Black Panthers, could you help us? And they're like, yeah. And they would actually escort and transport the elderly to go cash their checks. Uh, they started the Youth Institute in 1971, which is, had its name changed to the Oakland Community School in 1974, which is the same year they had their first graduating class. And in 1977, the school was given an award by the California legislature for having set the standard for the highest level of elementary education in the state. They started free clinics where people could go and be tested for high blood pressure, lead poisoning, tuberculosis, diabetes. They would get cancer detection screenings, physical exams, treatments for colon flu, and immunizations. And the biggest thing they were probably known for was free breakfast, so that kids that came from poor families that could not afford to feed them would be able to be given a good meal because they had a, found that there was a study done that said uh, kids that have a good and balanced breakfast before school are more likely to do better in school. Right. So, does that sound like a terrorist organization to you? No, but the KKK sure does, and they were not labeled as a terrorist organization, and they are still alive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The big reason why I wanted to bring up the Black Panthers was because the person that this week's If You Know You Know is on is Bobby Seale, one of the founders of the Black Panther Party. More like a panther, you and Bobby Seale, we the free love. I mean it is, is Bobby Seale making meals you can't resist. The chaining and gagging of Bobby Seale. Co-founder of the Black Panther Party, Bobby Seale. Bobby Seale was born Robert George Seale on October 22, 1936, to George and Thelma Seale in Liberty, Texas. He was the oldest of three. His family lived in poverty for most of Bobby's early years, and they moved around Texas until he was eight when they settled in Oakland, California. In 1955, Bobby dropped out of high school and joined the U.S. Air Force. After three years, Bobby was dishonorably discharged from the Air Force for bad conduct after fighting with a commanding officer. From there, Bobby worked as a sheet metal mechanic by day and studied for his high school diploma at night. After receiving his high school diploma, Bobby attended Merritt Community College where he began to study engineering, but shifted his education towards politics after becoming interested in black American history. While at college, Bobby joined the Afro-American Association. Through the group, Bobby met Huey Newton, who would eventually become his co-founder for the Black Panther Party. In my organization, the Black Panther Party, I'm the founding chairman and national organizer of the Black Panther Party in the United States of America. Huey P. Newton is the founding minister of defense of the Black Panther Party. Bobby and Huey were greatly inspired by Malcolm X, who died in 1965. The next year, the two started the Black Panther Party for self-defense and adopted the slogan, Freedom, by any means necessary, from Malcolm X. The Black Panther Party was created to organize the black community and resist racism and classism that was part of the U.S.'s governing system. Together, Bobby and Huey created a set of guidelines for the Black Panther's ideals and ways of operation. Those guidelines became known as the Ten Point Program. Huey said, we want freedom, we want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Full employment for our people. Number three, we want housing fit Decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. Number four, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. Number five, we want decent education for our black people in our community that teaches us the true nature 
of this decadent racist society and to teach black people and our young black brothers and sisters their place in society because if they don't know their place in society and in the world, they can't relate to anything else. Number six, we want an end to the robbery by the white racist businessman of black people and black people in their, in their communities. Number seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. We want all black men held in county, state, federal jails and prisons to be released because they have not had a fair trial because they've been tried by all white juries and that's just like being tried in Germany being a Jew. by members of their peers, and a peer being one who comes from the same economic, social, religious, historical, and racial background. If the United States government and the courts and the local courts did this, they would have to choose black people from the black community to sit up on the jury. They'd have to choose some of their mothers who've been working 20 years in Miss Ann's kitchen scrubbing floors like my mother had done. They have to choose some of them hard-working fathers. They have to choose some of those brothers who stand on the block out there wondering where they're going to get a gig. They're going to have to choose these black people. And number 10, he would say, let's just summarize it. We want housing, we want clothing, we want education, we want justice, and we want peace. This is a basic platform. In case you never knew it or not, of all the things that you've heard in the press, of all the derogatory statements that's been made in the press about Brother Huey P. Newton and I, of all these derogatory statements to guide you away from seeing this basic platform that Huey was talking about for his own people. At the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Bobby was arrested and tried on charges of conspiracy and inciting a riot. He was the eighth person charged in this case to which the defendants charged eventually became known as the Chicago 8. Bobby's trial became infamous due to the unconstitutional treatment of Bobby by Judge Julius Hoffman. Bobby had a lawyer, but his lawyer was unable to be present at the time they scheduled his trial. Bobby asked if his trial could be postponed until his lawyer could be present. He was denied and was given a defending lawyer, whom he instantly fired as he wanted his lawyer or to have the ability to represent himself. Judge Hoffman denied Bobby's request to represent himself, leaving Bobby unable to defend himself in court against his constitutional right. So I argued in the courtroom every time. Every time my name was mentioned, I would jump up and interrupt the whole thing. I object. My lawyer's not here. He's mentioning my name. Sit down, Mr. Seal, the judge would say. And I would say, no. And uh, I would argue and... Then he, I remember the judge one time says, did you talk to the court recorder and ask her, did she get that? I says, yes. I said, did you get mine too, ma'am? She says, yes. I says, thank you very much. And then turned right back around and told you, you are racist, a fascist, and a bigot, you know. Bring in the jury. We protest our rights for 400 years. I mean, we've been shot, killed, murdered, brutalized, oppressed for 400 years. Because there is another instance. That outburst may appear of record, and it does. Did you get it? Yes, sir. I hope you got my part for the record, too, concerning that. Did you get that? Yes, sir. Thank and you. that outburst, too? Due to Bobby's refuting of Judge Hoffman's attempts to unlawfully continue with Bobby's trial, Bobby would yell for his rights, for his true lawyer, and for his right to defend himself, making it extremely difficult for the court to push forward with the trial. 
to further the unlawful practices during the trial. Judge Hoffman had Bobby bound and gagged to silence him. I am warning you, sir, that the law... Instead of warning me, why don't you warn me that I, I've got a right to defend myself, huh? I am warning you that a court has the right to gag you. Now, I don't want to do that. Under the law, you may be gagged and chained to your chair. Gagged? I'm being railroaded. I'm being railroaded already. The court has that right. The court has and no I, right whatsoever. I was bound up my head. The only thing you could see is, 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 is my, my eyes and my nose. I was bound up with ace bandages. You know, the ace bandages you put around the knees when you're playing basketball and stuff to tighten up. To, to, and uh, they brought me in the courtroom. My arms are strapped down. Uh, to the sorry, my legs are strapped to the to the legs of the big heavy wooden chair. The last day of gagging, and when I got in, I mean, I was losing blood pressure, circulation. On November fifth, nineteen sixty nine, Judge Hoffman gave Bobby his punishment for sixteen counts of contempt. Each count would be three months in prison, which were to be served consecutively, amounting to a total of four years in prison. Because of the sentencing. Seal was severed from the original case he was being tried for, which caused the Chicago 8 to become the Chicago 7. I find that the acts, statements, and conduct of the defendant, Bobby Seal, constituted a deliberate and a willful attack upon the administration of justice, an attempt to sabotage the functioning of the federal judiciary system, and a misconduct of so grave a character as to make the mere imposition of a fine, a futile gesture, and a wholly insignificant punishment. And accordingly, I adjudge Bobby G. Seal guilty of each and every specification referred to in my oral observations. And the court will impose, uh, strike that, and the defendant Seal will be committed to the custody of the Attorney General of the United States or his authorized representative for imprisonment for a term of three months on each and every specification, the sentences to run consecutively. While serving his four-year sentence, Bobby had another trial in 1970 for the New Haven Black Panther trials. The case in question, which took place earlier in May 1969, was about the torturing and execution of Alex Rackley, who eventually confessed to being an FBI informant in the Panther Party. Three men, Warren Kimbrough, Lonnie McLucas, and George Sams Jr., drove Rackley to Middlefield, Connecticut, where Kimbrough shot Rackley in the head, and McLucas shot him in the chest. Sams and Kimbrough confessed to the murder and testified against McLucas for a reduced sentence. Sams implicated that Seal was the one that gave the order to kill Rackley. Seal was in town that day to speak at Yale University and had stopped by the headquarters Rackley was being kept at hours before but there was no proof of him having entered the headquarters or if he even knew about Rackley. No verdict was reached for Seal, and his charges were eventually dropped. While Bobby was in prison, his wife became pregnant, which fellow Panther Fred Bennett was suspected to be the father. Bennett was murdered, and his mutilated remains were found in a suspected Panther hideout. Seal was implicated on this murder, but no charges were pressed. Bobby, however, wrote an article where he expressed his appreciation of Bennett's murder. In 1972, the government suspended Bobby's convictions from the contempt charges from Judge Hoffman, and he was released from prison. Uh, those contempt cards and everything was totally thrown out. In fact, everybody who was convicted, they even convicted the lawyers 
of contempt, etc., for of us. But when it got to the higher circuit courts, higher circuit courts threw all that crap out. Judge Julius Hoffman violated all our rights. In 1973, Bobby ran for mayor of Oakland, California. He lost the election, but was considered to have a successful run. Out of a total of nine candidates, he came second in the race. His run was also considered a success due to the effects of his campaigning. His campaign consisted of boarding commuter buses, giving short commuter speeches, and making sure people were registered to vote, helping them if they weren't. This method of campaigning helped to register many black Oakland residents who hadn't previously been registered and didn't know how to vote. I organized 5,000 people in 49 chapters and branches throughout the country while my friend Huey Newton was in jail. Me, Eldridge Cleaver, Kathleen Cleaver, Fred Hampton. I mean, I could just go on and on with different organizers around the country. In all those 49 chapters and branches across the United States of America, we put up free breakfast for children programs to help organize and unify the people's electoral votes free preventative medical health care clinics, free selling the testing programs. When I initiated this whole programmatic framework, my friend Huey was in jail, but I initiated these programs. The concept being a special political strategy. That political strategy was that we needed to unify the votes of the people in all these grassroots, poor, low-income black communities. And by doing that, hopefully we would move to be able to, in the future, take political seats and with those political seats, particularly in local areas, if we could get the majority of seats in coalition with other left radicals and others, we could wipe off the books the racist laws manifested in city charters, manifested in county uh, uh, legislative frameworks. and We could wipe these uh, racist pieces of legislation off the books. In other words, we were attacking what we call institutionalized racism. racism. So yeah, since the disbanding of the Black Panthers, Bobby has uh, helped to foster uh, education programs. He's taught at the uh, Black Studies at Temple University in Philadelphia, and he moved back to Oakland in 2002, where he still resides today. He's also written multiple books, as well as a screenplay based on his life that he's been looking at produce since 2013. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. When is, do you know it's going to come out? No, apparent. From what I found, nobody has taken it on. Oh, uh, okay. Spike Lee, where you at? Like what? Exactly, especially just the Chicago Eight thing, mm-hmm. like that case alone. Yeah, that's a movie itself. Honestly, like matter of fact, uh, you could hear like when he was given the interview when he was older that he would, uh, when the judge asked, uh, "Ma'am, did you uh, get that?" Like in the recording of the court case that you could hear, it was a man that ended up responding, mm. and that was because it was a recreation off the transcripts from the case. Because they couldn't have an actual uh, recording in it, so what you hear in that is a re-recording okay. of all the transcripts of what actually happened in the courtroom. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Bobby Seal, man. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. He uh, still goes around today to different colleges. He gets invited, and he mm-hmm. just talks about experiences, struggles, everything. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's oh. it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I think we're, <laughs> I think we're done, right? Yep. <laughs> I, I intro you outro. This is this is our thing. <laughs> Except for you've outroed like the last three episodes. No, I don't think so. Alright, well anyway, thank you everybody so much for listening. Uh you can find us on all of our different platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, 
Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and our host site, Castos. If you want to contact us, you can find us at The Fairpoint Podcast on Instagram, The Fairpoint Pod on Twitter, and you can email, email us at thefairpointpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. It's like air horns. Bye. <laughs>